Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. Also, as always, my notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to the events tab and you can see all of uh, my notes there. We're continuing a series we started uh, really a couple weeks ago at the end of last year called Every Moment. I believe that that's the focus for us as a church this year um, is this every moment concept, this every idea. And and what we're talking about right now is that God is with us in every moment. And we started that uh, last last week. And um, this week, again, I was at a another different coffee shop and a pastor friend of mine who, uh, he is absolutely amazing. He's one of my, my favorite people. Uh, he pastors True Life Church here in Round Rock, which is an amazing spirit-filled church. And, but he's one of those, you know those like dads who have bad dad jokes? Maybe, if you don't know any, you, you, you might be that dad. Um, <laughs> but, but he's like a pastor with a whole bunch of good or bad, depending on how you feel about it, pastor jokes. One of, one of his favorite ones is, man, this Sunday we had between three and 4,000 people come to our services. And every time, whoever I'm with, they're always like, wow, really? Like you pastor a massive church. And he goes, no, no, no. Between three people and 4,000, we're closer to three people. Th- th- those kind of jokes. But this, he, didn't, he had no idea what I was about to preach on. But he, this week I, I was sitting with somebody and he came up and he goes, he was telling these jokes. And, man, they were so good. And this was my favorite one of the day, though. He said, uh, he said there were three people in the Bible who had no biological parents. And he's like, do you all know who they are? Now, I know he's always joking. This other guy's like thinking, like, hmm, do you all know the three people? There's three people in the Bible who have no biological parents. Well, Adam and Eve and then Joshua. Now, now, we're going to read Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and you're going to see why Joshua. Verse 1, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. <laughs> Joshua, the son of Nun. So clearly, okay, okay, that's not how you, that's not how you study your Bible. That's, <laughs> that's not, that's N-U-N, not N-O-N-E. He had no idea I was preaching off this verse today. Um, but... <laughs> Here, Joshua is, he actually has parents. Here's what we need to know about Joshua. He does have parents. Um, Joshua is, uh, he was a disciple of, of Moses, and Moses trained him up. And Moses did a good job of training and discipling Joshua so that when the time came, when the moment came that Moses was no longer able to lead, we looked at that last week, or now Moses has died, he has uh, trained someone and discipled someone to be able to replace him. Because a good leader always has somebody that they are training and discipling to take their place and do it better than they've done it. Um, And so Joshua is that guy. You may remember Joshua uh, from... He was, he was the guy who led uh, the Israelite troops over the Amalekites in the battle whenever we read about Moses. Remember, he had to keep his staff up, and as long as the staff was up, the people won. But as soon as it dropped, then the people began to lose. And remember, they held up his arm. Joshua was the one who was leading the soldiers out in the battlefield at that time. Joshua was the one who went with Moses up to Mount Sinai when Moses received uh, the law from God. Uh, obviously, maybe most famously up until this point in Joshua's life, 
Joshua was one of the 12 spies that went to spy out the promised land. And if you remember that story, uh, 10 of the spies, they come back. And um, it was funny, I was talking to uh, Isaiah, my oldest son, uh, before service, and and. And I was like, hey, so tell me what you know about Joshua. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was one of the spies. And, and he was like, the, he was one of the spies that told the truth. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, the 10 other spies didn't tell the truth. And I was like, wait, didn't tell the truth? Why do you think they didn't tell the truth? The actual, the, the other 10 spies, they, they said what they saw, which they were giants and they were this and we couldn't take them. And then they went a step further and said what we can't do because of what I saw. They were never, they were never asked to give their analysis. They were only asked to give their observations. And so they went beyond that and they went opposed to what God said. God said that you will take this lamb. They said something different. That's why they were uh, experienced what they experienced, but Joshua and Caleb were the two spies, if you remember in that story, who said what God said and said, yeah, yeah, they're giants, but we can still take them because God said that we can take them. And so here, this is that Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. In verse two, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So Moses is dead in this moment where Joshua is stepping into this new season. He's stepping into a, a new leadership, a, new dif- a different level of leadership. And he's stepping into this moment where all of a sudden uh, he's not just a soldier on the battlefield or a spy spying out the land, but he is in charge of getting these people to the promised land. He has a different role, a different responsibility, a different season. And, and I believe that this year especially there is going to be moments where God puts you into a new season, where maybe that that looks like promotion, where there's new levels of responsibility. And, And here's what I know about it. And if you think about your life, here's what you know about it as well. When you step into those moments with these new seasons and these new responsibilities, it's going to be difficult. It's not always smooth sailing. There's going to be some doubts either from you or from those around you. When I first got into ministry, I was hired in our, our home church in, in Michigan, and um, it's a 10,000-member church. It's a, it's a massive church, and the building is huge, and, and I was in pastoral care, so I went and saw people in the hospital and did home goings and weddings, and, um, but I was like never in the, in the church because I was always out in hospitals and in people's homes and visiting people, and um, and so before I even really honestly figured out how to get from my office to the sanctuary, because I was never in my office, I had received a promotion. And they, they brought me in and they said, all right, Evan, you're, you're going to now uh, be promoted from not just a pastoral care minister, but now you're going to lead the pastoral care ministers. And, and I, was, I was young at the time. I don't know that I'm young anymore. You know, I used to go through the drive-thru and they would, they would just, you know, say, hey, here's your food. And now they say, here, sir. You know, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I, but I was young and, and I'd been in ministry six months. And now all of a sudden at this moment, I was now overseeing or leading uh, three other guys who had been in ministry. I think the guy who had been in ministry the least amount of time had been in ministry like 25 years. And so now there's all this, this new season, this new responsibility. You know, I just knew how to do my job. Now they want me to, to lead and help them do their jobs. And, and um, I don't know that I had a whole lot of doubt, but I know some people who did have a whole lot of doubt. 
And those were the people that I was leading. <laughs> if you were here when I first became the pastor here, you might can relate to that. <laughs> you might have had a whole lot of doubt. <laughs> but, but there's doubt in the newness of a season, in, in, in increased responsibilities. And maybe it comes from you, and maybe it comes from outside of you. And there's difficulty in that. There's a season of being uncomfortable. And there's honestly, for most of us, in those new seasons, in those moments where we step into that, um, you're not going to be good at it at the beginning. And, and, and if you're like an athlete or you're somebody who, who, who prides yourself on being good at the things that you put your hands to, then that can be, that can be as difficult as anything. It's like now all of a sudden I'm not good at this and I have to figure it out. And there are these moments, and not just this year, but moments in our lives where we are like Joshua, where now all of a sudden Moses is dead and now we have to arise and we have to lead. We have to arise and we have to step into a new level of responsibility. We have to arise and begin to do something that maybe we're not all that comfortable doing or we recognize that I'm not yet good at doing this. And Joshua has to step into this. He has to, um, he has to walk in this. And the good news about this is whenever God promotes you, he will always be with you. He'll always be with you. He has already placed everything that you need on the inside of you. The way that we say it is he has empowered you to follow Jesus. So if he leads you there, if he gives you that, if this moment leads to increased responsibility or a new season, then he has already made a way for you in that moment. He is not just with you, but he has already put in you all the tools that you'll need to be successful. And he says this, arise and go over this Jordan. God is telling Joshua to lead the people over the Jordan River. But here's when you read this and you read it too quickly, like you miss kind of the point of this. Um, here is a large group of people. Their leader has just died. They, they have this new leader who maybe they're a little unsure of. There's probably some fans of Joshua since he led him through victory and had been so close to Moses. But there's others who surely doubt. Now all of a sudden they're, they're facing the Jordan River. And on the other side of the Jordan River is the promised land, the place where they're trying to get to, the place that God wants them to get to. And, and God is like, okay, now arise and go over this Jordan. But they don't, have any, they don't have a boat. They don't have a bridge. They don't have any way in the natural to get over this Jordan River. What they're looking at says, okay, God, you're telling me to do that, but I, what? How are we going to do that? Like, are we sure that everybody can swim? I'm going to leave that right there. But they're looking at this, and there's no natural way for them to get over this, this river. But remember, Joshua was somebody who was discipled by Moses. And so that means he was with Moses. And that means he saw the things that God did through Moses. He was with him there. He was active in what God was doing through Moses. And if you, if you think back to like Moses and who was Moses, one of the most famous things that God did through Moses was part the Red Sea. So, so now the people are probably looking at a river as this barrier that they don't have any way to get across. And it, that there's nothing that they can see that would tell them, oh, here's how we'll do this. But God told them to do it. 
we never read any hesitation or any doubt from Joshua. Joshua's in this new season and new responsibilities, and he's got this big assignment to get them across this river, and we don't hear any doubt or any, any hesitancy whatsoever. Why? Because Joshua's looking at this, and he doesn't see a barrier that he can't cross. He sees a moment that's going to lead to a miracle because he remembers another moment where God did something through Moses and parted that Red Sea and made the, 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 the ground dry so that they could go across. And so he looks at this like, oh, oh, I've seen how we can handle this. I know how this works out. And Joshua is what the Bible, um, when you study this out, Joshua's uh, one of the people that is a type of Christ, meaning we can look at Joshua's life and what God does to him, and, and we can learn things about what Christ does for us through looking at this Old Testament person of Joshua. And so Joshua's responsibility here is to lead the people into their promised land. Just like Christ is responsibility for us, and our responsibility is to follow him to lead him or to lead us to where he wants us to go and so Joshua here is the one who is to lead them to this promised land but he has this hurdle and we don't have time but if you go over to Joshua chapter 3 um, you can really read verses 12 through 17 and what happens there is uh, the Lord moves the waters from the Jordan out of the way it makes the ground dry so that the people can go across and get to where they need to get to. This miracle that most of us would be like, what? That is absolutely amazing. Joshua has the faith and has been in these seasons, in these moments where he was with Moses and saw God do it, and he remembered it. And so for him, I don't want to say it was nothing for him, but it was something that he believed in a way that he would lead. Now here, here's the point to this, or a point to this for us this morning. If you're only living in this moment and you forget about all the moments of the past and what you've seen God do in the past, if you forget about how he's done miracles in your life or in other people's lives, then you're going to miss out on the fullness of what God wants you to do in this moment. And maybe it's not even remembering what God has done in previous moments in your life, but we can read about what God did in Moses' life, what he did in Joshua's life. I mean, you can go through the scriptures. And the good news is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's no respecter of persons. So if he did it for Moses, he'll do it for Joshua. If he did it for Joshua, he'll do it for you. And so it's important for us to remember the moments that God has done miracles in our past to be ready and to have the faith that we need to see the miracles in our present. And then he says, every place that the sole of your foot goes, I've given to you. Now, what I love about this is God didn't just say, okay, here's all the land that I've given to you. He's saying every place that your foot goes, that your foot treads upon, which means if you just sit on this side of the Jordan, you just pray and just believe God, your feet don't go anywhere, and you don't possess anything. It's where your feet go. See, there's moments where we need to stop and pray and kneel. But that's not every moment. <laughs> there's also moments where you need to put one foot in front of the other. And you need to step and walk and go. See, I believe that when we kneel, God opens things up. But when we walk, we experience the things that God opened up. And some Christians, they kneel and God opens things up for them, but they never step out. And they never put their foot 
anywhere other than where they already are and they don't experience the things that God has opened up for them. I, I can tell you just, just, just practically speaking, um, there's times where like I need to go to a place to, to really be able to sense what God is saying. One of the ways that this has shown up in our lives actually multiple times um, is my wife and I, right after we got married, the first house we bought, we were looking for houses. And y'all know how, especially young couples do, right? So like they tell you, like, you can afford this much. And so what you should do if you can afford this much is go look at houses that are down here. Right? No, no young couple in America does that though, right? <laughs> so, so, so we're getting married and, and like I'm trying to see houses down here in some kind of way. My wife and the real estate agent, they conspire to start looking at houses. Like if our budget is here, we're like right there. There's like, it's like, it's like at the very, very top, right? And so, so we're going to one, like, hey, this is amazing, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I like negotiating, but that, we're going to have to like, d- d- yeah, no. We walk into another one, and, and I'm walking in knowing like, okay, this is like at the top of our range, but, but you know, maybe we could, we could do this one, but, but I'm not excited about this because like, I don't want to be at the top. I want to I have some margin, which we should Want to have, and we walk in, and as soon as we walk into this house, we didn't even see the house. Like we're 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 three steps into the doorway, we look at each other, and we're like, "Oh, this is our house. This is our house." Now the house was way bigger than what we needed, but we knew this was our house. Little did we know, a couple months later, we would have two more people living with us, and we needed every inch of that space. Right when we when we bought our house that we live in now, um, we were looking and we were praying and there was um, one Saturday morning we were in bed just scrolling our phones looking at different houses and and God just prompted us to like get up and go look at this one house. We go, we get there, and when we get there, uh, <laughs> there's there's a sign in, but like we don't have a real estate agent. We don't even know if the person's there. So we walk up and we knock on the door. At, I walk up and knock on the door. My wife stays in the car because I'm the man, I guess. I don't know. She told me to go. <laughs> so, I'm assuming it was some protective thing. <laughs> she, yeah, she's way more street smart than me. So, so I, I, I go and knock on the door, and nobody answers. And as I'm walking out, somebody pulls in the driveway. And so now I'm like, uh, hey, like, um, uh, it's not weird. We're look, we want to look at your house. This lady brings us into her house. As soon as we walk into the house, we're like, this is our house. But had we just laid in bed and just prayed and just like not actually went to these places, going to these places, God gave us a peace. God spoke to us in those moments. And there's times and there's moments where God, he'll, he'll show you, he'll lead you, but you need to put your feet out there. You need to walk to it. You need to, the Bible says that when we put our hands to things, that that's when he prospers. But if you don't ever put your hand to anything, then you're praying for prosperity here, these people are told that, that they will have the places that they tread upon, They're, but their foot has to tread. You got to go. You got to step out. You got to walk by faith. You got to live by faith. And he says, just as I promised to Moses, and I got I to gotta hurry here, but if you, if you remember, you know, we talked about like Moses was this amazing man, but also Moses didn't actually make it to the promised land. And Moses didn't make it to the promised land, short version, um, is because he didn't do what God wanted him to do. He, he missed it with God, especially when it comes to faith in a whole other amazing story. 
And so Moses, his shortcomings, his faults caused him not to enter into everything that God wanted him to have. But what I love about this is it did not hinder or stop the promise of God for Joshua and for the rest of the people. So no matter how great your mom and your dad and your grandma and your great-grandma and all them people were, no matter how bad they might have been, it doesn't disqualify you from everything that God has for you. So, so maybe you weren't born into a spiritual family or maybe you were born into a spiritual family that got really jacked up. Or maybe you, your parents, I mean, they were like, man, that was tough. That was difficult. They really messed that up. None of that disqualifies you for experiencing the promised land that God has for you. And then in verse 4, it says, From the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able, not, not, not no man will, but no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What I love about this is these are very similar words that Joshua had encouraged uh, the Israelite people after he had been a spy and returned. See, when he returned, you know, and the, the ten spies are saying they're so big, we can't do it, you know, it's not possible. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, a Joshua says to them, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And now here, God is encouraging Joshua with the same words that Joshua used to encourage the people of Israel. See, there are moments <laughs> when what God has spoken through us, God will then speak to us. See, there, there are moments when we need to hear what God has used us to say. Maybe this is just for me today, but if it is, man, I appreciate y'all hanging out with me because, man, I, I need this. I can't tell you how many times that I, 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 God will use me to say something to you all, whether with this microphone or not with this microphone, that there are another, other moments where, like, I need to hear what I've already said. <laughs> and sometimes those are our faith statements and sometimes those are very practical statements that God will speak through you and one of the reasons that you need to make sure that when God speaks through you that you allow him to do that and you say what he wants you to say is because there may be another moment down the road where you need to hear what you've already said and what he will use inevitably is the same people that you told that to he will use to come back and tell you when you need to hear it In the first year of our, our men's, our brotherhood discipleship, one of the big themes of that year was, <laughs> was laying down our lives for our wives, to serve our wives and to give our life to our wives as Christ gave his life to the church. And now, I can't talk to any of those guys and say anything about any selfishness within my marriage <laughs> without a response of Ephesians yeah, they already quoting it. Why? Because what God used to say something through me to them, there are other moments where <laughs> I'm going to need God to say that to me. 
There, there's times where God will use you to encourage and inspire and empower someone. And there'll be other moments where you need to hear that for yourself. And God here is using the very words that Joshua spoke to the people to now encourage him. And in verse 6 it says, be strong and courageous. We read that last week too. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, let me, let me, let me slow down right here and let me give you seven things um, that I see in verses five, uh, really through verse eight, that God is saying to Joshua, but they also apply to us, that will allow us to maximize every moment. Allow us to dominate every moment. Now, the first one um, was in verse 5 where God says, I am with you and I will not leave you or forsake you. So the first one is no God is with you. We talked about this last week. Like in every moment, no God is with you. Whether you're experiencing a, a moment where you're stepping into a new season with greater responsibilities and there's some uncomfort and there's some doubt, no, God is with you. Whether this is a moment where you know how to work this moment, you know everything's good, everything's smooth, remember that God is with you. If this is a moment of, of increase and this is a moment of good health and wholeness, remember God is with you. If this is a moment where it, there's decrease, there seems to be lack, there's pain, they're suffering. No, God is with you. The second one here is in verse six. Be strong. Be strong. There is really no such thing as a weak Christian. There's really not. Like even somebody who just gives their life to Christ, they have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. Do you, do you recognize that they have the one who has all power they have that on the inside of them. Now, they may need to grow and work that out to, to, to actually live strong, but they are already are strong. Let the weak say that I am strong. They're already strong. We need to make sure that we don't uh, diminish what God is in us and what God has done for us by acting like we're weak. Because a weak Christian is an oxymoron. That's not a real thing. Don't mistake humbleness for weakness. You're humble, but you're not weak. And then he says, be courageous. Be courageous. Doesn't mean that you won't have fear, but fear doesn't come from God. So fear is not yours. So in the midst of fear, you, you keep going. In spite of fear, you keep going. Why? Because you know God is with you. and Because he's made you strong. And no matter what you face, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No matter how many weapons, no matter how big the weapon, it won't prosper. You're more than a conqueror. So, yes, you're experiencing the emotion or the feeling of fear, but be courageous. You know, having the courage to continue to go forward in what God has told you to do, to get to that promised land, even when you're facing a Jordan River that, that hasn't yet parted, that is right there and you don't know how to swim. Be courageous to continue that God's word is more important than anything that you see, anything that you experience, anything that you think might happen. And have the courage to do and say what he wants you to say. And then it says, for you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. So if you didn't catch it in verse 6, here let me say it again. In verse 7, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law 
that Moses, my servant, commanded from you, commanded you. So then number four is do what God says. Here, don't just be strong and courageous and just be in your own might and just, just have this faith but not, you know, have knowing what God says. But actually find out what God says and do that. Be careful to do according to the law all that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Which means you need to hear the word to be able to do the word. Which means you need to spend and invest some time praying so that you can hear what God is saying to you. You need to learn how to hear God's voice to be able to do what he's telling you to do. But then once you do that and once you're opening your word and you're, you're investing time with him and you're learning how to hear his voice, then it's not good enough to know what to do but not do it. The way the Bible says is you become a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. And, and you know some of the most ineffective, miserable, angry frustrated people are Christians who have heard the word and know the word but don't do the word y'all know them they're at those churches y'all used to go to they're, they're, they're at your job where they, 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 they can tell you you know all the scriptures but man they're the meanest people you've ever met I mean, just the most complaining, sad. Why? Because they know the word, but they're not doing the word. And whenever you don't do it, it can almost do you as much harm as it does you good. It's a message for a different day. I'm out of time. Do what God says. And then the last part of this verse, verse 7, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go, which means stick to the plan. So then number five, I would say uh, stick to the plan or stay the course. Stay the course. Know God is with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Do what God says. Stay the course. There will be moments where it looks like this is not working. There will be moments where it looks like, God, I know you said this, but I don't know how to do this. The water isn't moving. The, the river is still there. The people are still asking. I still have doubt. I still have, I, I don't know how all this is going to work out. But stay the course. Stick to God's plan. Because there is a thing, it's called seed time and harvest and right now it may be a, a moment of seed it may be a moment of of growth it may be a moment of building you up and training you it may be a moment where you're taking root under the ground and you haven't broken through and you haven't started to sprout above the ground and that's okay because those are important moments and if you quit before God says to quit then you're going to miss out on the promised land that God has for you Stick to the plan. Don't turn from it to the right hand to the left. And then it says this, that you may have good success wherever you go in every moment. Why? Because God's with you. Because you're strong. You're courageous. You're doing whatever God tells you to do. You're staying the course. And then in verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go so number six this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth 
Number six is speak the word. Speak the word. Listen, call those things that be not as though they are. (laughs) Say what God says. Those 10 spies that were evil and didn't make it to the promised land, it's not because of what they saw. It's not even because, really because of what they thought. It's because of what they said. Joshua and Caleb, they got to go to the promised land. Not really because they saw the same thing as the other 10. Surely they had thoughts like the other 10. Like, man, I don't know how we're going to take out those giants. But they didn't allow it to come out of their mouth. It's the power of life and death is in our tongue. Our words matter. Our words are powerful. God created the, the earth with his words. They are powerful. Speak the word. Say what God says. Say what is written and say what he's spoken to you. And speak it knowing he's with you. Speak it being strong, being courageous. Speak it knowing that you are going to do it because God has said it. Speak it knowing that you're going to stick with it no matter what it looks like until God leads you in a different direction. And then number seven is is the second part of this verse eight. But you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditate on the word. Man, if you really want to grow in your understanding and your connection with God, yes, you need to read the word, you need to pray, you need to do what he tells you to do. But one of the missing ingredients, I believe, to really being empowered to grow closer to him and know more about him is to meditate on the word. Like to just slow down and stop and don't just read through the Bible so you can say you read through the Bible Don't just read through a devotion so you can do your spiritual duty for the day. But, like, take these moments and slow down. Like, God, what are you saying? Who are you saying it to? What would this be like? What do I need to change in my life? What do I need to start saying? What do I need to stop saying? Where do I need to go? Where do I need to not go? God, what is it that I need to be praying that I haven't been praying? Or who have I need to pray for that I haven't been praying for? Or or, or what have I been praying that I don't need to pray anymore? God, what have I been doing that I need to stop doing? What, what am I not doing that I need to be doing? Slow down and meditate on the word. Because when you slow down and meditate on the word, you realize that Joshua had no biological parents and he was the third person. No, 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 no. But, but you read through this Joshua, the son of none, and you don't even get the joke because you read it too fast. Okay, not the point, not the point, I got it, I got it, not the point. But you know what is the point? Whenever you read through the Bible too quickly or you gloss over it or you've already heard it and you don't slow down and meditate on it, it's not that you miss a joke, but you miss revelation. You miss truth. You might miss the very thing that God is speaking to you that will change your life, your situation, your family, your community, because you're just trying to do a a religious duty. But if we will take every moment and be intentional with every moment of knowing God is with us and seeing what he wants to say to us, then, man, we will, we will learn to dominate every moment. God is with you in every moment. Be strong in every moment. Be courageous in every moment. As best as you possibly can, do what God says in every moment. Every moment, stay the course of what God wants you to do in that moment. As much as you can, speak the word in every moment and meditate on the word every moment that you can. 
And you will look back at some point and you will say, man, as I, start, as I began to do those seven principles found in these few verses, man, God, he empowered me like he never has before. I've seen change, not just in me, but around me. And you will experience a promised land that maybe you didn't even know was there. You'll start to see miracles that you've never seen before. Or he'll start to do through you what you've seen him do through other people. He'll start to part waters when you've only seen other people part waters. <laughs> He'll start to provide when you've only heard of him providing for other people. He'll start to heal when he, you've only heard of him healing other people. You'll start to have peace that you've only heard other people talk about. You'll start to experience a joy that you've only seen in the faces of those around you. But if we let these moments pass, we just continue to do what we've always done, then we'll continue to be and continue to have what we've always been and what we've always had. So let's do better. Let's recognize God is with us in every moment. And let's do better in dominating more moments until we get to the place where we're dominating every moment. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.